Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. The summary of today's readings, St. Paul is telling us in 1 Corinthians, he's telling us why he preaches. He says, he says, I preach the gospel. If I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Saying, if I don't preach the gospel, woe is me. Shame on me. Shame on me if I don't preach the gospel. And he explains why. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. I have been entrusted with a stewardship. God has entrusted me with something. Woe is me if I don't use it properly. Like, if you, like, you know this concept of stewardship, when I hear stewardship, I read this in a book and it really helped me. When I see the word stewardship, I think FedEx, right? Or courier guy, right? The courier guy is given something for a purpose, to take it and put it somewhere else. Like if he takes it and runs off with it and uses it for his own good means, that would be bad, right? That would be shame on him, right? Shame on him for taking my package and running off with it and doing whatever he wants. I send a birthday gift to my mom, right? Shame on him for running off and not delivering it, right? That's what St. Paul is saying. I have been trusted with his scripture, but if I do it, I get a reward, right? What is my reward? My reward, is that when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. He's saying my reward is to give the gospel, this most precious thing to people, for free. That's, that is the most awesome thing in the world. That is my reward. In the Catholic epistle, St. Peter was telling us that we have a great heavenly inheritance prepared for us so amazing that the angels of heaven wish they could hear of it and have not forget about seeing it they wish they could just hear what is it what is our our inheritance in heaven and they don't know this is the great inheritance that he has for us and the famous verse first peter 1 5 preceded this that was verse 12 verse 5 said that you are kept by the power of god through faith for salvation to be revealed in the last time. So it is God who is keeping you by His power for this salvation, for this great inheritance. Who is respond whose power is it that will preserve you till you get to, to, to receive your inheritance? The power of God. How do we have access to it? Faith. The uh, praxis, the, the Acts of the Apostles, it tells a story in Acts chapter 5 where the apostles are preaching in the temple and then they, they, they take them and they put them in prison and then they find them. The angel comes at night, sets them free, tells them, go back to the temple and preach. So they go back into the temple and they continue preaching. And then they go the next morning, they're supposed to put them on trial, so they send people to the prison to go find them and of course they're not there. This is the, the definition of futility. It's futile to fight against God futile to fight against God. When St. Paul, later in Acts chapter 9, uh, when, when, when God, appear, what, like the light appears to him and, and, and he hears the voice of Jesus, tells him, 
it is difficult for you to kick against the goads. He's telling him, it's difficult for you to fight against God. It's difficult for you. The, the goad is the thing that uh, someone who sh shepherd, typically shepherding goats, it was, it was a, a long stick, kind of like a spear, but it wasn't so sharp at the end. It was a long stick with a poker at the end. And they would use it to keep the herd together, right? And it was hard, right? And they would knock, they would knock the goats uh, where their shins are, where, where, where they, they have no, uh, there's no flesh over the bone. So they would, they would, they would tap them just gently there, you know, just temp, uh, just gently there. And because that bone is very tender, it's like, it feels right away, it was, it's difficult for them to kick against it. Because, you know, goats kick, you know, whereas sheep, sheep are, you know, less uh, obstinate. That's what, that's what he was telling St. Paul. He was telling him, it's difficult for you to kick against the goats. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. Right? I want to tell you something. If you have an experience of the power which has been witnessed in this gospel, this message today is for you. If you haven't, if you have never experienced what Jesus says, if you have never experienced what Jesus says, in the last chapter of Mark, chapter 16, when he says, He who believes in me and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. If this is your experience, then... Today's sermon is for you. If this is not your experience, I want to tell you a quick word before I launch into the sermon, before I launch into the message of today. I want to tell you that Psalm 45 tells us that he, Jesus is fairer than all the sons of men. Jesus is the most beautiful thing in the whole wide world. If you have not left all and followed him already and experienced this and cast out demons and healed the sick, I want to tell you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? It's available. It's available to you and to me. It's real. It's not fate. It's not a word. I know what you're thinking. Maybe for you, Abuna, maybe you're a priest, maybe this, maybe that. Okay, I want to tell you, you know why you're saying that? Because of me. I want to tell you, you know why you're saying that? Because of me. Today's sermon is recorded not because my spiritual father told me to record everything that I, that, I, that I say, not only because of that, but because today's sermon is first and foremost to me. You know why, if you haven't had this experience, that you're not doing it? Because the people like me who have had this experience are not. I want to tell you something. If, the, if we, the church don't live in the full power of the Holy Spirit, the whole world will laugh at us. And they have every reason to. And they have every reason to. Today's gospel was the sending out of the 70. And they come back to Jesus rejoicing that demons are cast out in, the, in, in His name. And He tells them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Is this your experience? Why not? Why not? Maybe because people like me 
who have had this experience aren't living in this daily, in this daily experience. In the Praxis, in the Acts of the Apostles, it said that there were people being added to the church daily. Daily, there were people being added to the church. Is this our experience? Not so. I want to ask you a question. If a fire broke out next door, if a fire broke out next door, and you didn't call 911, and you saw that there was a fire and there were people in the building, and they were trapped, and they couldn't get out, and you didn't call 911, what would you say? Wouldn't you say what shame on, what, what St. Paul said? Woe is me. Woe is me is shame on me. Suppose you called 911 and the firemen were sluggish. The firemen were half awake, half asleep, and they were rubbing, rubbing their eyes. And by the time they woke up, they turned the lights on, the lights blinded them. And they said, oh, why do people have to call us in the middle of the night like this? And by the time they got their boots on, and by the time they were sluggish, they were slow, they were slothful, they were lazy. What would you say? What would you say? Wouldn't you say, shame on you? I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm not here to judge anybody. But wouldn't it be a shame? Doesn't it scream, this sh it's not supposed to be like this? Doesn't it scream, it's not supposed to be like this? The church today is screaming to me, it's not supposed to be like this. It's screaming today, the disciples of Jesus are not supposed to be like this. It's screaming to me. There's a beautiful story in 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 6, Syria attacks Samaria, the citadel, the capital of uh, of uh, Israel, the kingdom of Israel. And they lay siege to them. And they lay siege to them, and a prophet had prophesied this of old, that he had told them, because of your wickedness and your idolatry, speaking to the kings and speaking to the leadership, that's why I say today's sermon is primarily to the leader, to me, not to the leader, just to me, and to anyone else who, who knows a real, a real life of being a disciple of Jesus, the prophet tells there will come a day where two mothers will say, let us, because of starvation, because of famine, let us sacrifice our children. Today we will eat your child, tomorrow we will eat mine. It had been prophesied a long time ago. When Syria laid siege to Samaria and they locked all the gates and they just, figured, they just starved them. That's kind of how siege works, you know, into submission. The king was walking by and he saw that. He saw one lady run to him and say, Oh king, save me. Hey, Siti, huh, woman, what's your problem? Right? Don't we have enough problems? What's your problem? Yesterday we said, Let us sacrifice my son and eat him. So we did. And today we were supposed to sacrifice the son of my neighbor that we may eat him, and she won't give him up. The king was horrified. He was horrified as you all are. And he ran into his house and he screamed to God. And they sent a message to Isaiah the prophet, to Elisha the prophet, and Elisha told them, told the commander that was sent him, don't worry, tomorrow around this time, 
there will be so much wheat and so much bread and so much food that it will be sold for the equivalent of 10 cents. The equivalent of 10 cents, like a, like a 10 kilo bag of flour. When at that point, it was priceless because there was none left in the city. The commander says, you're a man of nonsense, dumb prophet. So he tells him, uh-huh, really? Tomorrow you will see it, but you won't taste it. Mark my words. So the commander goes back to the king. What happens? God in that night sends an angel and he, he kills the whole army, 185,000 of, of the army of the Syrians. The rest of them flee like mad. Now the part of the story that I really want us to focus on is this. There were four leprous men who were sitting by the gate of Samaria. One of them says to the others, he says, look, at the rate this is going, we're going to die of starvation. What do you say? If we stay in the city, we're going to die. What do you say we just go surrender ourselves to the army out there and see what happens? So they say, sure. So they go and they go to surrender themselves to the army and they're feeling around in the dark. There's nothing. And they find food, they're starving, so they eat it. And they find more food, and then they eat it. And then dawn breaks, and they find that the whole camp is empty. A camp for a few hundred thousand. So imagine how much food and how much stock they had. They were planning to lay siege to Samaria until they starve. So they obviously had plenty of reserve. So they eat, and they drink, and they're making merry, and they're, and they're rejoicing. And then one of them says to the others, what does he say to the others? He says, verse, chapter 7, verse 9. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9. Then one of them said to another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they go, they go to the king's household, they go tell the king... And the king says, oh my God, this is amazing, right? And he takes his commander and he says, okay, I'm going to put you at the gate and I'm going to make you in charge of letting people out a little bit at a time so it doesn't turn into chaos. What happens when they open the gates? When they open the gates, all the people start flooding out. And what do they do? They trample that commander underfoot. He saw it with his eyes, but he didn't taste of it. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is this. Those men knew that their city was starving to the point of eating their own children. And they ate and drank and made merry and then they realized, no, this is not right. This is not right. This is not right. It is not right for us to eat and drink and rejoice while our countrymen are starving. And St. Paul tells us many times that we were amongst those who were starving. For once you were in darkness, but now you are in, in, in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, Ephesians 5. Titus 3, for we ourselves were once also foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. But no more. Romans 11. 
For as you were once disobedient to God, yet you have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, the people who didn't believe. Even so, even these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown they, to you, they may also obtain mercy. For God has committed them to all disobedience that he might have mercy on all. What's St. Paul saying? He's talking here about the Jews and the Gentiles. And he's saying that yes, some Jews haven't believed. But through your obedience, they will believe. And you were disobedient too in the past. You were disobedient too in the past. And he brought you into the light. You were living awry and he brought you into the light. I want to tell you that the power that it was given to the apostles... In Luke chapter 10, what Jesus promises in Mark 16 is all throughout the Bible. This isn't um, a, a, a religious excitation. This isn't uh, people believing in things that don't exist. This isn't figment of imagination. This is reality. This is reality. And God has given that power to His church. We, His church. You and me. I want to tell you, many people come to me in confession and confess various things. And I pray for them the same way that I would pray for anyone else. Many times, not always, many times, if I have an opportunity, I'll give them a call the next day or send them a quick text message. How's it going? Particularly if they were extremely discouraged and extremely in despair. I'll find things are dramatically better. How? Because they came and said a few words and I mumbled and I mumbled an absolution for them and for myself. They probably couldn't hear the words. How? You tell me. They were struggling fiercely with a struggle of lust and their struggle has nearly disappeared. Not forever, for a few days. How? Why? How come? You tell me. We were just in Aeroland, and one of the servants there, much holier than me, insisted that I pray for every person who was sick and anoint them with oil. I'm a, I was a doctor in a past life, so I'm very slow to call things miracles. I want to tell you 90% of the people that I prayed for claimed to have been healed. Maybe they were healed, maybe not. Most of them had uh, 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 subjective symptoms of pain and so on. It's not like someone was lame and then they through the faith of one person through the faith of simple people who wish to believe they're healed and this was not only my experience as a priest this was my experience long before priesthood long before priesthood this is not something which is only available to you and to me but we the church I the church have to ask myself if indeed this gospel is true, then I must live by it. Then I, if indeed this gospel is true, if indeed the church in the book of Acts is the church now, then why is that not our reality? Where is the gap? I need to pray that prayer. I need to ask God. God is saying to you and He's saying to me what He says in Deuteronomy chapter 30. He's saying, I set before you today a way of life and a way of death. A way of obedience and a way of disobedience. God has prepared for us, for the church, for the disciples of Jesus. God has prepared for us 
To live a glorious life. To live a glorious life. Not a life that is crushed and destroyed under many pressures. Yes, indeed, St. Paul was crushed, but not destroyed. St. Paul was persecuted, but never in despair. St. Paul was shipwrecked three nights and a day at sea. If anybody in the universe had the right to, to, to give up hope and to be in despair, I would say it's him. But he didn't. Everything that the church had access to in the book of Acts, we have access to now. That's the reason for the fast of the apostles. That's the reason for the feast of the apostles. That's the reason that we may live in the power of His Holy Spirit every single day. That we may pray for it. That we may long for it. That we may refuse anything short of the full measure of the power of God in our lives. That is the calling. That is the potential. That is the destiny, if you like that word, for every single Christian. Glory be to God forever and ever, man. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. Peace be